This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take our Bibles and go with me into the New Testament. And uh, we're going to go this morning to the gospel according to Luke. And for the next few weeks, God willing, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And as we examine Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter number 2, we are going to examine uh, a few songs that are recorded for us in these chapters. Not only do we find there are songs recorded, but we find that there are prophesyings and praises that are recorded. And one of uh, the things that immediately comes to our mind as we come to Christmas uh, is, of course, Christmas music. And how many of you have had your radio uh, or your device uh, tuned into Christ Christmas music already for some time. All right. How many of you started even before Thanksgiving listening to Christmas music? Yes, I thought that would be the case. And uh, so uh, my wife enjoys listening to Christmas music. My children enjoy listening to Christmas music. And uh, I am somewhat of a Scrooge, I guess, but I enjoy it too. And, uh, but I'm thankful for the, the fact that God has given us a song. And uh, the psalmist said he's given us a, a new song. And that we have a song to sing. And the song is about Jesus. Amen? Of course, the world has contributed uh, their songs about Christmas and, and all the things that we need to purchase and all the things that we need to do. But our song is a song about Jesus. Amen? And uh, may the Lord help us as we... Uh, go through this Christmas season to keep singing about him, to keep singing to him. And uh, as we look at this passage this morning, we're coming to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 46. And we're going to look at uh, one of the first Christmas hymns and Christmas songs that was ever sung. And uh, we find it in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hopen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. 
as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her, that is Elizabeth, about three months, and returned to her own house. Here we come to the song of Mary. And I would submit to you it is one of the first Christmas hymns uh, that was ever sang. And no doubt it would have been an amazing experience to have been together in the room with Mary and Elizabeth and perhaps some other family members as uh, Elizabeth had just heard the news that Mary was with child. And the child that Mary was with, the child that she was carrying, was a child conceived of the Holy Ghost. And as she heard that news, Elizabeth, who had recently conceived a child in her old age, she was a barren woman, meaning her and her husband had not been able to have a child together and past the time of their lives when they would expect to have a child. The Lord spoke to her husband, Zacharias, who was a priest ministering in the temple. And the angel of the Lord said to Zacharias, Zacharias, you're going to have a child, you and Elizabeth, and he's going to be John, the one that we know as John the Baptist. He is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that child is going to be used of me as a prophet, as a voice in the wilderness, uh, to turn the hearts of children to their fathers, to turn this nation back to God. As we were reminded last Sunday by Dwight Smith as he was here with us, there was a 400-year period where there was no further revelation from God to the people. And at the, in, at the conclusion of this 400-year period commences a new age of revelation of God's truth, and John is going to be God's prophet and messenger preparing the people for Jesus Christ. And so Elizabeth, in her old age, is now carrying a child, and her cousin Mary, a much younger cousin, has come to her. Mary, a girl, espoused to Joseph. That means they, they were in a, in a relationship that was not officially consummated as a marriage, but they were committed one to another lawfully, legally. Their intention was to marry. It's more than just an engagement. They were espoused together. And Mary, having been visited by the angel and told that it was going to be through the child that the Holy Spirit would conceive in her, that child would be the Savior of the world. And so Mary has come to visit Elizabeth. And notice what happens. I want you to see what happens in this visit and, and the events that precede this song that is, uh, that is sang by Mary. Uh, we find it in verse 39, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, that's when she heard the news that Mary was with child of the Holy Ghost. The babe leaped in her womb. Now, I, I remember when my wife, and we've had five children, 
And uh, so I've had lots of experience at this. When the baby starts kicking, and she would take my hand and say, here, feel this, and I would feel the baby kicking. And uh, that was a joyful experience. But here we have more than just a kick. We have, in the only way in which it can be described, a baby in the womb of Elizabeth, who is the forerunner of Jesus, leaping in the womb of his mother at the news of the Messiah and his soon-coming birth. It's a miraculous thing, isn't it? He is leaping in her womb. In verse 41, again, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, this is her describing it, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? You get the picture? Two women rejoicing around the news that they both now are going to have a child, one who had longed to have a child and never could, but now is able by the power of God to have a child. Another, not ready necessarily to have a child, a young girl, espoused to a man, now carrying a child with a lot to explain to her soon-to-be husband and a lot to explain to a world that is watching. A fearful girl, no doubt, but also a believing girl. And as they come together to share this news, the Holy Spirit of God fills Elizabeth. The baby leaps in her womb. This is something that is to be noted. This is not something that is commonplace. This is something miraculous. And I want to tell you, friend, that when God shows up in your life, it is notable, it is noteworthy, it is miraculous. And if he has, I hope that God will never allow you and I to ever get over what God has done for us. And when Mary, filled with the Holy Ghost herself, saw what was happening, you know what she did? She sang a song, the song of Mary. Now, I want us to look at the song this morning. I want you to see three things about the song. Number one, it is the song of a rejoicing soul. It is the song of a rejoicing soul. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 46. And Mary said, my soul 
doth magnify the Lord. That means my soul exalts and praises the Lord. Seeing what has happened, considering that God not only wants to intervene in her life, but God is intervening in the nation of Israel and that God is intervening in a dark world on behalf of all people. Her desire is to exalt and glorify, and as the boys and their mother and their father just sang, to lift their praise to God. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She was rejoicing. This is the song of a rejoicing soul. Now, let me tell you, Mary may not have had much to rejoice over. Here she is, a poor virgin girl living in Galilee. She is not well received by the Jews in Judea because she's a Galilean, not highly thought of. She is someone who does not have a lot of resources, obviously, and now she is going to have to try to explain to her soon-to-be husband how she is with child. There's a lot going on in her world. She is someone who maybe uh, will face and no doubt did face the scrutiny and the criticism and the disapproving looks of her neighbors and her friends and her family members, and, and she was the, the subject of the whispering of the town. And in the midst of all of this difficulty that she was facing, she had something to rejoice about. Uh, our world is gloomy and dark, is it not? There is a lot of difficulty and a, a lot of uh, tough circumstances that people are facing, but I want you to know that if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have something to rejoice about. If your sins are forgiven, you have something to rejoice about. If heaven is your home, you have something to rejoice about. If, if you look through the list uh, of names that are printed on this uh, memorial or uh, concerning the, the flowers, as you look upon them and you think about those that you wish were here but aren't, if you know where they are, you have something to rejoice about today. You see, in the midst of the poverty and in the midst of the darkness, God intervened in the life of Mary, and she was overwhelmed by the power and the majesty and the glory of God, and therefore she had a song to sing. You didn't have to ask her, would you, would you smile and lift your voice and look at the words on the hymn book and would you actually open your mouth and sing out? No, you didn't have to do that. She was already doing that. She had a song to sing, not just in the choir loft. No, but in the kitchen. Not just in the church house, but in the factory. She had a song to sing. Why? Because she had a rejoicing soul. She was overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Now, I'd like for you to go back to the very first book in the Bible, 
the book of Genesis chapter number 3. And here we have the introduction of darkness and sorrow and death into our world. Can I tell you that you can trace every problem in your life to Genesis chapter number 3? It's when sin came in. When sin came in. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. By the way, if they hadn't, somebody else would have. And by the time it got to you, you and I would have, right? And they sinned in the garden. And sin came in. We just sang about the earth being infested with thorns. Do you know why that is? It is a result of the judgment of God upon our sin. And so when sin came in to the heart of man, God moved out. When sin came in, the light went out. Darkness filled our soul and our mind, and our body began to die and decay. Sin, suffering, and death has been our lot. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the judgment, what does God say? In the midst of all of that, God says there is hope. Look at it, Genesis 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to Satan himself. And between thy seed and her, what's the next word, church? Her seed. That's her descendants. That's her children. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. That means it will crush your head. Who will crush the head of the serpent? Who will crush the head of Satan? The son. The son that would be born of the woman. Thou shalt bruise his heel. You'll bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, Eve heard that promise. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Here is what Eve thought. This is the son. He is the son who is going to crush the head of the serpent. But we know he wasn't. And for years, many may have thought, when they looked into the face of that precious baby boy, perhaps this is the one. Perhaps it is him. Our hope, our deliverer, our salvation will come through him. As time continued, God revealed that it would be through the seed of Abraham. As time continued, God revealed that it would be through the seed of David. And as we come to the events of the New Testament and we study the lineage of Joseph and we, dis- and we study the lineage of Mary, here's what we discover, that on both sides he was the descendant of David. Though Joseph contributed nothing to his birth, both father legally and mother were of the seed of David. And you see, when Mary came into that home with that child and just having received the promises of this 
this messenger and the visitation of God in her life. And she heard about what God had done for Elizabeth in preparing the way. Her soul is overwhelmed with rejoicing because she is the mother of the child who will crush the head of the devil. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, no doubt rang out in her ears. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Here he is. He's the promised one. He is the child that God has sent to us. Do you know that children are a blessing? Oh, that God would help his people to have the correct notion concerning the birth of children. I think we've been too Americanized. We've become so selfish. We look at children as, you know, you tell somebody you're going to have a child and they look at you. I remember when we were having children and our family was growing and people found out we were having a third and a fourth. It's amazing what comes out of the mouths of people. The Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Recently, the studies have shown that nations are are in real trouble. They've discovered this, although it really shouldn't be a new discovery, but with all the enlightenment going on in, in Western culture, Recently, in some European nations, they've grown very alarmed at the birth rate. Well, no wonder we've put so many children to death in Western culture before they ever had the opportunity to breathe air on earth. We've become so selfish, and we we begin to view children as if they're some inconvenience to us as they're going to hinder our career or they're going to hurt our social schedule or our bodies are going to be ruined by the birth of all of these babies. We've forsaken the way of God and his order for the family. It's a mess. Had a man yesterday asked me, what do you think about what's going on in Washington? I said, it's a mess. I went on to tell him my opinion. I thought later I should have said I'm more concerned about what's going on in heaven because what's going on in heaven is just as it should be. And let me tell you, when we, when we forsake heaven's order, when, when we get caught up in us and ourselves and our lives and we forget that this thing is about God and his glory and we become selfish and self-centered, then we don't see children as blessings. But old Mary did. Oh, Elizabeth did. Those children brought hope and joy to those women. And they brought hope and joy to a nation in despair, occupied by Roman forces. They brought hope and joy to a people scattered across the globe 
who are lost in the darkness of their sin, these children brought hope and joy. Can I tell you that God has a purpose for every child's life? Don't tell me that a child in the womb is not a living soul. Here's a child who leapt at the news. How do you understand it? How do you hear it? I don't know. I don't know how this device I'm wearing works. How do you expect me to explain all of the complexities of human life that God has created? I don't know how to explain it all, but I don't have to explain it all. I just get to live it, and I thank God for it. He's got all the answers. There's a purpose for every life. You have a child and a mom filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, listen, life is an act of God. Human life is an act of God. Thank God for it. Here's the song of a rejoicing soul. I want you to think about the children in this auditorium, in this church, the children that we have the opportunity to minister to in the bus ministry who are meeting in another location, another room this morning, the children that come to our Christian school, the children who come to the after-school program or the summer camp or who will attend the vacation Bible school, can I tell you that God loves them and he has a plan for their lives? And can I tell you that among them we might find hope for a next generation? Maybe God would call some preachers here. Hey, by the way, if God wants to call your child to preach, rejoice in that. Or to the mission field, rejoice in that. Or to be a Christian school teacher, rejoice in that. Don't be so short-sighted. All you can say is, well, you'll have to live a tough life, and you won't make very much money, and oh, poor you. Oh, no, they get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords with their lives. May God help us as parents. May God help us as a church. The song of a rejoicing soul. When you've got some joy in your heart, you can't help but sing. Here's the second one. The song of a regarded servant. Who is Mary? She's a poor virgin girl, overlooked and obscure. Notice what she says. Look back with me, if you would. Luke chapter number 1. Verse number 48. For he, that is the Lord, hath, what's the next word, church? He hath regarded. You know what that means? That means he sees me. He's watching. He has taken note. He cares. He intervenes. Notice what she says. He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, from this time forward, all generations shall call me blessed. This is the song of a regarded servant. Notice what she said. He hath regarded what? The low estate, the low position of who? 
his handmaiden. Can I tell you something? This is a girl who in the midst of all the difficult trying circumstances of life is doing her best to please God. Now, I don't know how many Instagram followers she had. Oh, I can really tell you, but but I, I'm trying to help you relate. I, I don't know how popular she is at school. I know she's poor. So I imagine not a lot going on in her life. But in the midst of all of it, and by the way, she's living in very difficult times politically. The Roman government controls her region. The, the people in, in Jerusalem look down upon her because uh, there are all kinds of Gentile people living in Galilee, and Herod has built all kinds of pagan temples in, in Galilee. So anybody from Galilee is looked down upon by those who live in Jerusalem as some type of a compromiser, as, as some type of an impure Jew. And so here she is rejected by her own people often, looked down upon, and now she's carrying a child as a virgin. And in the midst of all of this difficulty, do you know what she's doing? She's doing her best to serve God. And here's the good news. God saw it. God saw it. You, you might be struggling, mom, trying to take care of your kids and trying to do everything right, and, 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 and maybe people think different things about you or you're concerned too much about what people think about you. Whatever the case may be, God sees and God knows. He's got the whole scoop. He's got all the facts. And he cares. And he intervenes. On your behalf. You see, here's the song of a regarded servant. I, I, I'm amazed, she said, that the God of this universe has seen me and has chosen me. Do you know that God has chosen you to be the mother of those children? Have you thought about how wonderful that is? That you are able to be a vehicle of God to, to bring a child into this world to give life? What a wonderful thing. The song of a regarded servant. She said, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Do you know what those children will always call you for the rest of their lives? Mom. And that's a powerful, powerful word. The only reason they say dad much in my house is because they want to know where mom is. <laughs> the power, the influence, the opportunity, the blessing. So here's the question. As you sing the song of Mary, are you his servant? Notice in, in chapter 1, and verse number 38, when the angel said to her, Mary, you've been chosen. You're the one that will bring the Messiah into the world. Notice in chapter 1 and verse 38, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it 
unto me according to thy word. She didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to community college and get my degree. She said, well, you know, I might have time for that, but I, I got to get my career launched. Well, I didn't quite envision that. I wanted to travel the world first. She said, behold, the handmaid, the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. 33 years later, that child would pray in the garden, now a grown man, the son of God, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. Why did she say, be it unto me according to thy word? Why did he pray, not my will, but thine be done? I'll tell you why. So that you and I could be saved from our sin and have a home in heaven. Are you willing to say that to him? Lord, here's my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord, to thee, take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Oh, friend, are you willing to be his servant? If you are, he regards you. He sees you. We see the song of a rejoicing soul, the song of a regarded servant. Lastly, we see here the song of a righteous Savior. Would you read it with me in verse 49? For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. She's going to share a testimony with you. And here's the testimony, that God is righteous. Now notice the attributes of his righteousness and his holiness. Verse 49, holy is his name. This righteous Savior Oh, she sings about his holiness here. He is unlike any other. He is set apart. By the way, all roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's holy. He's set apart. Notice in verse 50, she sings of his mercy, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Do you know God's mercy is never exhausted? It endures forever. She sings verse 51 of his power. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Here is God, a powerful, mighty God. She's living in a land oppressed by Roman rule. She's living in a land where she doesn't have an opportunity. She's living in a place where she doesn't have a chance. And here's what she wants us to know, that though she lives in those human circumstances, she serves a God who has a strong arm, who's in control. And he's in control of what's going on in America and what's going on across this world. And let me tell you, God's plan will be fulfilled. His righteous king is coming, and he will rule and reign upon this earth just as he promised he would. Jesus is coming again. 
and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52 and 53, she sings of his righteousness. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. We live in a culture that is consumed with justice. Let me tell you, there is only one way to receive justice, and that is to let the righteous Son of God rule and reign. And he will do justice. And he is going to bring justice to this world. But you can't find it any other way, friend, but in Jesus, his righteousness. Then I want you to notice in verse 54, he hath hoping. That means he has helped his servant Israel. That's his nation that he established in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She's speaking here of his faithfulness. God has not forgotten us. God is on our side. God is at work on our behalf. And how so? By sending the child to be the sin bearer, to die on the cross, to make the payment of our sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God through faith. It's a song. It's Mary's song. It is the song of a rejoicing soul. It is the song of a regarded servant. It is the song of a righteous Savior. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.